welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is logan freeman from live free investments welcome logan Thanks for having me, Rama. I'm happy to be here. It's nice and early here in Kansas City, Missouri, and it's a great way to get my day started is talking with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining the podcast. Of course. Yeah, a little bit about Logan. Logan Freeman began Live Free Investments in early 2018 after the corporate world had let him down one too many times. Real estate has always been his passion and got kicked into full gear after completing his first living flip in 2013. Today with over 80 successful real estate transactions and 13 million completed for investors annually, he has created a proven track record to provide his investment clients the confidence and security they desire. With that Logan on would you like to add anything to your background you know i would just say that no matter where you come from it really doesn't matter where your background is and what you're made of as long as you have a plan on what you want to become and i came back i came from somewhere that that wasn't a market that you could really do real estate in there wasn't a lot of people doing entrepreneurship in real estate but i you know kind of started to read some books and talking to some people that really kind of got in my business juices flowing and so the only thing i would say that i i'd love to add is you know i've never accepted the status quo and you don't have to either so if you have a goal you have something you want to work towards there's people out there there's books out there there's people or there's there's programs that can help you you know kind of go where you want to go you just have to kind of believe in yourself first that's i'm a big product of that it's just setting my mind to something and and working towards it on a regular basis awesome and thanks for sharing that so why you moved from the corporate world to the real estate world Well, Rama, I was fired. So, a little over 3 years ago, I was was fired from the corporate world from a safe six-figure sales job that, you know, you think you would be you would be comfortable at and and we had just been my wife and I had just been married and I was trying to be a little more risk averse and what do you know, one day I show up and and it's time for me to go. And so, you know, that was the moment. That was kind of a it was a light bulb moment for me to say, well, I want to be able to control my fi- financial and my future. And the only way to do that really is to build your own business or start to invest if you have capital. And so I decided to do both and I wanted to learn real estate really from the the inside out. And so you know, that's when I got licensed as an agent and I started to represent, you know, real estate investors that did not live in Kansas City. I was the head of acquisitions for a 50 million dollar fund that was buying properties here in Kansas City. And the way that I learn is by doing. And so, you know, I I really focused on learning the business by doing it for other people before I started to make my own moves into the investment world, so to speak. So, you know, that's how I got uh, started in real estate. I it's not necessarily that I left corporate world. The corporate world pushed me out. That helped you to start your own journey, right? That's right. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So what are your focus markets and what is the reason, Logan? Well, since I'm located here, I always am harping on the difference between deal states and money states. And some of them are both, which is great. And there's money in almost every state, but there's not deals in every state per se. 
you know, on a regular basis. And so for me being based out of Kansas City here in the Midwest, this is our market. And this is the one that I focus on because this is my competitive advantage. I am transacting real estate for buyers, for sellers for myself all the time. And so I have a really good feel for what's going on in Kansas City, Missouri in about a three hour radius. And so uh, we're going to complete our first project outside of Kansas City in the next month, but it's kind of a unique one in and of itself. And so mostly the Midwest, Rama, but I would say Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas in about a three-hour radius of Kansas City proper is kind of where we're focused on, mostly because this is where we're vertically integrated and this is where we feel comfortable controlling the whole process. That's awesome. So would you share your view on like five laws of out-of-state investing success? Absolutely. You know, this is a relationship game. And, you know, early on in my career, as I was working with out-of-state investors, you have to be able to build trust and rapport and relationships over the phone, over Zoom, over FaceTime, whatever it is. And if you're not comfortable doing that, it's it's very difficult. But you know, you're only as good as an out-of-state investor as your folks that you have on the ground for you. And that's that's really important to know that your relationships that you have here in the market that you're investing in, because you can have the best real estate deal with with bad operators and that deal is going to go south. You can have an okay real estate deal, maybe even, you know, a bad one from the number standpoint, but if you have great operators working on your behalf, it's not going to fail. And so, my number one tip for folks that don't live in a market that they're interested in investing is get on bigger pockets, start to see who is interacting on the forums on bigger pockets in that market, see who's got the listings in that market. And then it's just like dating, Rama, you know, you have to start calling people and you have to start seeing who you click with and who's going to be vested in your success. Who's going to see the world like you do? Who do you enjoy talking to? Who's going to give you any time? And that just takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. But you cannot just willy-nilly go into a new market and decide that you're going to, you know, compete against all of the local investors, all of the out-of-state investors that already have a presence there. You really have to start with relationships and you have to be willing to spend four, five, six months building those. And I really think that folks should do that before they start to purchase real estate is to make sure that they have a really solid relationships with the folks that are in that market. So I think it always starts with relationships, Rama. Yes. Thanks for sharing some great points, Logan. And so you have some, I mean, experience from agent side, right? So how like investors work with brokers when they are not local? Well, first you got to find them. And the way that you find them is twofold. You probably will find, you can start with the firms, right? So you can start with all of the big brokerage firms. You got Burkadia, you've got CBRE, you've got, you know, in Kansas City, there's a company called Zimmer. There's another one, NAI, Heartland. There's all these larger firms. So you can start with those firms. You can get on their websites and you can kind of see who's active on CoStar, on LoopNet, on LinkedIn, on BiggerPockets. But I think 
think the first way that you need to do it is you need to understand what firms are doing, what asset classes in the market that you're in. And there's a lot of boutique firms that maybe aren't as large as some of those bigger firms. And so, you know, start with the firms, see who's doing investment sales. And I think the best way to do that is probably to see who's transacting, who are the power brokers that are listed by CoStar in the market and who's who are actually doing projects, right? And so you, there's some, you know, obviously technology and there's some websites that allow you to get access to those things. And so that's the first step is to see who's doing that. And then the second step is to understanding who's willing to work with buyers, because there's a lot of folks that aren't necessarily willing to uh, work with buyers. And so, you know, I think that you have to think through and and spend, again, time talking to people to see, hey, this person's young, they're hungry, or they're open to at least working with buyers. A lot of, of brokers in the cities, they're all they want to do is work with sellers. And so you need to ask them and don't pass through what I call yellow lights. And and yellow light is don't just assume that somebody is going to be willing to want to work with you just because you're willing to buy. Because unfortunately, buyers have a bad rap in the commercial real estate world where they'll they'll be you know, thought as people who are just kicking tires and won't ever do anything. And that I know that's not true, but not every broker sees it the same way that I do. And so you need to find somebody who's willing to work with buyers. And I think you need to also, you need to ask them, hey, are you willing to work with buyers? And how do you work with buyers? And if they don't say, you know, they don't have an answer for that, then, you know, you might need to move on to the next person. And that's okay too. Or you need to have a plan to say, I am experienced enough where I'm not going to work with any agents. But if you don't do that, then you also need to understand the market really, really well. You need to understand the submarkets, the neighborhoods, you need to understand the price per door, the average expenses for that type of asset that you're you're buying into. You need to have relationships with lenders, with property managers, with attorneys, with contractors. I mean, it's a lot to deal with. And a good agent, a good broker like myself, they'll have all of those relationships for you. But you need to find somebody who's willing to open up their network to you. And that's going to help cut your learning curve by half. If you are trying to do all of those things by yourself, it's going to take you a year to get that in place. But if you find somebody like me, for example, we do a lot of buy side 1031 exchanges. I'm tracking a lot of transactions right now and putting KPIs behind them, key performance indicators, because I want to see how many times do I need to talk with somebody? How many projects do we need to look at? How many calls do we need to have? How many underwriting models do we need to go through? How many Zoom meetings do we need to have before that person feels comfortable putting an LOI out on a property? And I'm tracking this. And for example, we have a new client that watched or you know found me off of Bigger Pockets after I wrote an article about how to find a replacement property fast. And I was outlining some of these ideas and some of these uh, principles that we're talking about here, Rama. And and she reached out and said, hey, I'm under contract to sell my property here in California and I need to find a replacement property fast. I see that you you work with buyers and I'm interested to learn about that. Well, 19 days later, we had had four meetings. We've traded about 22 emails and she start, and we, we had introduced her to all of our vendors, our lenders, contractors, property managers, everybody she would need to do a successful transaction. And, you know, she just started making offers on four, four and a half million dollar properties here in Kansas City. So it's my job to understand what steps need to happen to help people feel comfortable to actually start making offers in Kansas City. And I feel like we have a pretty good proven uh, playbook to open up for folks. So I hope that answers your question about how we approach it. 
yeah definitely that answers yeah thanks for sharing so many good points and how you're tracking kpis that information also of course yeah and how one need to source off market deals well let's first define what an off market deal is and if somebody is not you know doesn't have a presence in a market that they're interested in and they don't have any experience in that market you know an off market deal you think is usually direct to seller right is like somebody is on one end of a transaction or one end of a phone and or email and the other end is the owner of the property. Well, I'm here to tell you that that rarely happens for out-of-state investors to be directly in contact with a property owner. And the reason being is that most major markets have great brokers like myself that are always staying in front of these property owners, calling them, sending them mailers, sending them emails, letting them know that we're transacting properties in their neighborhood. And so it's very difficult to find a true, you know, what I'll call direct to owner off market property if you're not in a, a current city. I'm not saying it can't be done. What I want to make sure people understand is a lot of off market projects are really just pocket listings that brokers have. So for example, I might have a, I'm talking to a, a property owner right now, not directly this moment, but in this last two weeks, we've been you know giving him a, a broker opinion of value of his property. And I'm working with him and I said, look, you know, let me have this exclusive right to sell for 30 days. We won't put it on on LoopNet, the MLS, Digzy, any of the commercial real estate, you know, what we'll call property listing sites. But we have, you know, probably 40 to 50 people that would be interested to look at this project because we're always building up a really solid buyers list. And so I have 30 days to market, quote unquote, this property. It's a pocket listing, something that won't be live for 30 days, but I have the opportunity to bring a buyer to before anybody else does. This is where the true off-market listings are coming. Coming from. So again, if you hear me saying this a lot, it's because it's the truth. Your off-market projects, your deals are going to come from brokers, which are going to start again with relationships. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. So what is your current focus on share something you're excited about now, Logan? You know, I would say at the beginning of the year, we were really highly focused on doing some neighborhood retail e-commerce resistant service-based shopping centers. And we had a lot of those under contract, not only for ourselves to purchase, but let me step back. So I'm a real estate broker, but I also purchased a lot of real estate in Kansas City for our syndication business. But we had deals under contract for ourselves and for clients at the beginning of March in the neighborhood retail shopping center world, because you know Kansas City is, is still transacting above an 8% cap rate on some nationally anchored centers, you know, like a Dollar General with the doggy daycare with a few other things in it, you know, these service-based type of, of uh, retail centers. And we had to take a shift because we just were uncertain on how the, the pandemic was going to affect those tenants. And so we really started to focus on B and C class multifamily, not only from an acquisition standpoint, from but from a brokerage standpoint. So, you know, I, our company, FTW Investments, which is kind of a subsidiary of, of my company, Live Free Invest, 
Investments. FTW Investments is with two other gentlemen here in Kansas City. We've been highly focused on purchasing multifamily properties in Kansas City. And, and uh, we're, I'm, I'm happy to say that we're closing on 426 units here uh, in about two weeks. And uh, we have another, I don't know, 200, 250 units to close before the end of the year. And so we're, we're highly focused on buying class B and C multifamily assets where we have sourced them through our brokerage business or a different relationship that we have. There's clear value add, but it doesn't need to be uh, forced. The rents don't need to be forced. The, the the projects are cash flowing as is. They're in markets that have stabilized income from where the tenants are working and they're not highly amenitized properties. So that's kind of our focus on the acquisition side. On the brokerage side, I help a lot of folks if they're selling a property in California, in Colorado, in the Northeast, in Florida, and they want to trade that one property into a property that has 15 to 20, 25 doors here in Kansas City. You know, there's a lot of projects that I'm finding that fit that mold for folks that want to complete 1031 exchanges. And again, I practice what I preach. I broker mostly neighborhood retail shopping centers in class B and C apartment complexes in Eastern Jackson County, in Midtown, in the historic Northeast in Kansas City. And so they're all neighborhoods that I'm purchasing in. I can't do every deal though. And so that creates an opportunity for our 1031 exchange clients to step in and, and purchase some of those projects. Cool. So cool. So one advice that impacted you, Logan? Some advice that has impacted me? Yeah. You know, I would say that you need to find your sweet spot. And, you know, there's one thing that I keep harping on a lot is this uh, Japanese Venn diagram called Ikigai. And Ikigai is all of these circles that are intersected. And, you know, this intersection is of what you love to do, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And so, in other words, it's your passion, profession, your vocation, and your mission. And where all four of those circles intersect is called your sweet spot. And so, I, I like to say that, or Ken Coleman likes to say that it's the intersection of your greatest passion and your greatest strength. And that's the really easiest way to, to dial it down. But guy. I-K-I-G-A-I is a really cool model for people to go visualize and think through and study. And what I would say is I had some advice early on to say, you know, in real estate, Logan, there's so many different facets of the business. There is sourcing the properties. There is financing. There is rehab and construction. There's property management and there's operations of the asset. And then there's a disposition piece. You know, find what what brings you joy in that transaction process and do more of that and less of everything. And so chasing two rabbits, you usually catch none. So I started to get highly focused and work my strengths and hire and partner for my weaknesses, Rama. And that's when I really started to enjoy this business. And so there's a lot of things in this business that I have to do that I still don't enjoy per se, but you, know, you have to make some sacrifice. You have to make some sacrifice for the ability to not only create income for yourself, but to be generating wealth at the same time. How many industries, except for maybe high tech, right? If you pick the right company. I have a lot of investors from Apple. And you know, if you pick the right company and you get in early and you get some stock, sure, your stock's going to go through the roof. But how many other 
you know, industries and businesses can you really get a part of that create income for yourself and long-term wealth? There's not a whole lot of that out there per se. And so not a lot of exposure for folks. Usually it's one or the other. Uh, doing, being able to do both really fires me up on a regular basis. So my best advice that I continue to pass people on to is this Venn diagram, which, you know, Ikigai is a concept meaning a reason for being and find what that looks like for you. And once you do, you're going to really start to understand how to apply that to your business. And once you apply it to your business and start to stay operating out of that sweet spot, not only are you going to be more productive, you're going to be more efficient and effective all at the same time. So that's my advice. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. So how are you giving back to community? Well, a few ways. I would say that, um, you know, we are very focused on one of the passion projects that we have. And this isn't really a project, but it's just a passion in life is I have a hard time, you know, driving around the city, seeing folks outside the road. And, you know, Kansas City doesn't have a, a huge homeless population, but we're also not that big of a city. And so for the amount of people that we do have, I do think we do have some a decent amount of, of homeless. So it's been my passion to understand how to affect that population here in Kansas City. And so two things that we've done uh, through our church, we have a, a small foundation that is called Care Kit KC, and we pack care kits and hand them out to the homeless folks that are, are around and that has food, water, clothing, ideas on where shelter can be and how they can get any so, sort of help should they want it. And then we we also work with a nonprofit and I sit on the board of directors of a nonprofit here in Kansas City called Restart. And Restart's mission is to end homelessness in Kansas City. But what I love about working with Restart on a regular basis, not only the real estate side is we get to purchase buildings and master lease them to Restart's clients, meaning we are helping get folks either off the streets or keeping them off the streets, is Restart aims to focus on the single mom that is got three kids and just is, is about to lose her job or just lost her job. And she's not homeless yet. The family's not homeless yet, but they will be if they don't get help. And, and so not only are we focused on the folks who are already homeless, we're trying to prevent homelessness. And we're giving them the services and the connections that they need to be able to get their life started or restarted, so to speak. So anyways, those that's kind of my, my passion, Rama, is to help out where I can in that sense and continue to affect my own community through the real estate projects that we're doing, but also by working hand in hand with that nonprofit. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks for sharing. So how can listeners can connect with you, Logan? Well, I'm super active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just search for me, Logan Freeman. Uh, I post three to four times a, a day on LinkedIn. Uh, my websites are livefreeinvestments.com and ftwinvestmentsllc.com. You know, you can go and, and check out those websites. I've been on a lot of podcasts, Rama. I'd love to have you on my show. We have a podcast that we have on a regular basis. And so maybe we could talk about that offline, but feel free to follow me on YouTube on on uh, LinkedIn is the best way to get me. That's where I'm the most active, but you can also contact me through my websites. I really appreciate you asking. Thanks, Logan. And thanks for adding value to the show. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, 
please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.